Hello, this is Sarah, and I'm a sophomore at App State. Thank you for listening to the RUF App State podcast. For more information on RUF, please visit www.appstate.ruf.org. Good to see you guys. Welcome to RUF. A uh, special welcome to you if you've never been here before. My name is Chris, and uh, it's really good to have you. Um, it's really good to have you as our guest if uh, this is your first time, so welcome. Um, so on Wednesday nights, we study scripture together, we sing, we have fellowship together, we sell t-shirts in the back for $7, and um, just one of the elements of worship. And um, anyway, this semester, as we look at the scripture, <clears throat> we are studying the Apostles' Creed, and the Apostles' Creed is this ancient uh, summary of the Christian faith. And uh, so we're, we've been kind of walking through it. It's in your little handout. If you have a little handout, the Apostles' Creed is written there. The Apostles' Creed is something that all Christians throughout all the ages affirm. So if you're a Christian and you're here, and I'm not assuming that you are, but if you are, whatever background you come from, whatever church that you grew up in or affiliate with, your church holds to the Apostles' Creed if it's a Christian church. So we're studying that together. And if you're not a Christian, uh, you're so, so, so welcome here. And not only are you welcome, but we're excited that you're here and that you will um, uh, explore Jesus with us. But if you're not a Christian and you're checking this whole thing out, what better thing to do than study this really concise summary of the Christian faith? And so uh, tonight we, we get to the section where, where we're confessing our belief in Jesus Christ, uh, the Son of God, our Lord. And we're going to be looking in Colossians 1. It's printed in your bulletin. Bulletin. It's printed. I don't know. I mean, what do you call it? I mean... Bulletin? Gosh, that's such a churchy word. Um, it's printed in your bulletin, in your worship folder. And um, so anyway, so it's there. But if you don't have a Bible and you want one, we have them on our book table in the back, and you can just take one for free. Um, but before we start, uh, how many of you are familiar with a uh, movement called, uh, of, of people called bronies? Okay. Some several. Are there any? Well, I won't call if there's any bronies in the room. Um, this is, this is a brony friendly zone, by the way. So this is, uh, it is. And so if you don't know what a brony is, settle. Um, if you don't know what a brony is, a brony is a male, typically late teens to late twenties that, uh, is very involved with, invested in My Little Pony, um, uh, not like My Little Pony from like the 90s, but My Little Pony from like 2010, like the, the Powerpuff Girls looking My Little Pony. And uh, bronies are, are, love My Little Pony. They, um, they dress up. They have, um, uh, they have uh, like a big conference that they go to, like Comic-Con, but it's for bronies. And uh, there's a great documentary on Netflix about bronies. Okay. Um, one, thing, one particular thing that bronies like to do is to write brony music. Um, they, do, they do songs together. Um, and, like, if you've never heard of bronies, and maybe if you had, like, you're kind of, like, laughing. Okay, like, that's funny. Um, again, brony-friendly place. Um, but, uh, you know, because it's, like, if you're, like, centering a major portion of your life around My Little Pony, like, that seems a little bit weird. Um, it seems like something that you shouldn't, like, focus your, like, time and energy, especially if you're like a grown man, um, on, and so like, I think brony, like talking about bronies, 
like it makes us kind of feel good about ourselves because we're like we're not we're not there, you know. Like I, I like I'm I kind of got stuff. But you would say like my little pony television show for for girl little girls is not something weighty enough for an adult male to center their life around. Okay, and you would be right. Okay, uh, fair enough. Um, and and we kind of laugh, but like. Someone said I was giving off like a weird angry vibe tonight. I'm not trying to do that, but we're just going to go like with both guns from the beginning. Um, is, is, if that's something that doesn't really, that you can't really center your life around My Little Pony, does like obsessively going to the gym to sculpt your body like to like the nth degree worth centering your life around? Um, is your boyfriend... I know he's, he's hot, okay? I get it. Um, I know he's unlike every guy you've ever met. Um, but is spending all of your time obsessing, like, is, is he worth centering your life around? Um, and for those of you that were just snickered at, at, that, at both, all three of those things, is um, feverishly and obsessively working on your school to get your grades up, to get your resume built, so that you can have a comfortable and fulfilling car- uh, career in the future worth centering your life around? Okay, these are questions of like, we all, you know, we could go on and on. We all sort of put something, if our life is a wagon wheel, um, we all have something at the center on which our whole life turns. And when you, when you put it that way and you go, going to the gym or whatever, they all kind of sound silly. They almost sound as silly as being a brony, right? Because you don't want your whole life to revolve around that. Um, but... As we look at this passage tonight and we, we, we examine what it means to believe in Jesus, um, what I'm pitching to you in that long convoluted introduction is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Lord, is the only thing in the universe that is sufficient for you to put at the center of your life. He's the only thing that can hold the center. So let's read from Colossians. You've, you've got it there in your little handout thing. Um, Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. Uh, this is the word of God, so let's uh, give it our attention. He's <clears throat> talking about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Let's uh, ask God's blessing on his word. Father, um, we come distracted, yeah, with a lot competing in our heart. And Lord, we just we come sad uh, today and confused and heartsick um, just because the world is, is, seems in a lot of ways to be spiraling uh, in, in ways that we don't want it to and full of hurt and turmoil. And our campus, Lord, there, there's, there's needs, people being hurt and people um, gone missing. And, Lord, we, 
we just feel helpless. And so we ask that you would be with us tonight um, and give us some comfort uh, through your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, So if you're in this room, you've had at least some interaction with Christian people. Like maybe this is your first interaction, which that would, I don't know what that would be like for you. Um, But maybe so. And just because of the fact that, you know, most of us are from the American South, like we probably have been to church or been to some kind of ministry before. And and wherever you're coming from on the spiritual or non-spiritual spectrum, you're welcome and we're happy that you're here. But I'm going to tell you what the church, okay, this is a letter, Colossians is a letter that a guy named Paul wrote to a church in Colossae. And um, I want to tell you what this church was like, and then I want you to tell me if you've ever, not tell me, but think to yourself uh, quietly without talking, um, whether this sounds familiar to you. Like whether you've ever been in a ministry or church where it kind of feels like this, Okay. This church was mostly unbelieving people. Like, these people were not Christians. They weren't Jewish. They didn't convert from Judaism when Jesus came. Um, So they were pagan in the true sense of the word, that, like, they worshipped idols, okay? And so they had become believers. And, um, but if you've ever, like, tried to stop doing something that you don't like that you do, like smoking or, or whatever, if you've ever tried to stop earnestly, you know that, Usually it takes more than, like, deciding that you're going to stop, right? Like, I'm not going to smoke anymore. Well, that's, that's admirable, but it usually doesn't, doesn't work that way. Um, so, you know, it's hard to kind of break old patterns in your life. And so the Colossians, they had been living this sort of pagan, licentious lifestyle. They become Christians. They kind of get it together for a minute. Okay, we're doing this Christian thing. And then after a while, they start sort of slipping back. Into some of their old ways, right? So, so they start sinning again, these, these old familiar ways. And uh, so these guys in the church that Paul is going to call them false teachers, they go, okay, we got to do something about this. And this is where it's going to hopefully start to sound familiar to you. Um, you guys are sinning. You're obviously struggling. Okay, uh, to be a Christian and to be a real Christian, yeah, you got to know Jesus and have faith in Jesus. Okay, that's, okay, granted. But there's these other rules and if you do them, then you'll have victory over sin. Okay, this is the classic dude that's standing in the middle of campus, okay? Um, like calling Christians fornicators, okay? Like we've probably all seen this guy um, or these many different kinds of guys. Um, these guys are saying, look, you've got to have Jesus. But there's also these rules. There's these things you shouldn't, shouldn't eat. There's this stuff you shouldn't, shouldn't wear. There's these people that you shouldn't, shouldn't hang out with. And if you want to be a real Christian and really grow, you got to do that stuff. And I don't know if that sounds familiar to you at all, where you're like going to a church and like, yeah, 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 it's about Jesus. But we also have these other rules. And like sometimes they aren't like clearly stated. But um, if you want to be part of this group and part of this kind of Christian, you got to do these things too. Okay. I am not above the reality that that happens in this room, okay? And if that has happened to you in this room, I personally am sorry. Um, and it's a good gut check moment for us as Christians to go, what are these sort of unintentional rules that we've set up? But, but maybe that's you. So these people are saying, uh, Jesus plus these rules means being a real Christian. And Paul is writing them a letter, and he's saying, you have got it all wrong. The minute you say it's Jesus plus anything, you are lying. 
And you've gotten away from the true gospel. And Paul is making a, a, a passionate plea in this letter that Jesus and Jesus only is sufficient to be the center of someone's life. And Jesus is, is, is sufficient for three reasons. And he lists them. You know, this, you know, because there's a sermon, it has to be three reasons. And uh, so thankfully, Paul enumerated them very helpfully. Um, but Jesus is enough. He's sufficient to be the center of your life uh, because he shows us God. Because he created everything, and because he is reconciling everything. And we will move quickly through those three things. Um, Look at verse 15. If you have a sheet, if not, just imagine you're looking at it. Um, He is the image of the invisible God. Okay, God is invisible. Okay, it sounds like a a Christian cop-out, like, oh yeah, you can't see him because he's invisible. (laughs) Of course you can't see him. Um, You can only see him in your heart. Um, Okay. God is invisible, not because it's a Christian cop God is invisible because he literally created the idea of something being visible. Does that make sense? Like, just the idea of being able to see something was part of what God did when he created the world. So just deal with that. Um, <laughs> he's not sort of bound by visibility in, in, in a sense. But what Paul is saying here is that Jesus... In his incarnation, which we're going to talk about next week, like when Jesus came and was a baby. um, When Jesus came in the flesh, he showed us God. He showed us exactly what God is like. Um, He didn't didn't show us some things about God. He fully showed us God. Because look at verse... um, uh, 19. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. When Jesus comes to earth and he's living, okay, God, infinite, eternal, right? That the fullness of God was dwelling in Jesus Christ. So that when someone saw Jesus and interacted with Jesus, they were literally being, they were experiencing the fullness of God. Jesus doesn't just show us what God's like, he shows us God himself. And um, so here's what that means for you. Um, if you're investigating this whole thing and you're like, oh, this is interesting. I want to know. I, want to know. I came here tonight because I want to know about God. Look at Jesus. There are four books in the New Testament that are historical narratives about Jesus's life. And that's a great place to start. Um, so that's sort of for you if you're investigating. But um, some of you guys are Christians. And if I know one thing about you, it's that you're completely freaked out. By talking to someone else about Jesus. This thing we call evangelism or witnessing or whatever your church called it when you were growing up. Um, That freaks most of us out. And the reality that Jesus shows us God fully is uh, comforting to us. Because if you want your friend to know God, you want that. I mean, that's what most of us want, right? We invite our friend. We want them to become a Christian. Um, If you want that to happen... Talk to them about Jesus. Tell them what you know about Jesus. I have a friend who's sort of a mentor to me. And uh, he corrected me very uh, acutely one time where I was talking about, I'm sitting with students and I just don't know what to say. And he said, when you brought Jesus up in the conversation and you started talking about him, he was presenting himself. And he's always presenting himself. You have to dress it up. Make him sound good. If you want to talk to your friend about Jesus, just tell them. What you know about Jesus. Jesus is a sufficient center for your life. 
Because he can show you God fully. Um, but Jesus is also a sufficient center for your life because he created everything. Okay, we looked at creation last week and we talked about that. Uh, if you missed it, well, too bad. Um, uh, <laughs> that was that sort of weird, angry vibe I'm putting off. Um, but look at, look at verse 16. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Okay, Jesus created everything. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things were created through him and for him. That means that everything that exists, its purpose on the earth, why it's here, is for Jesus. Okay? Every, that means everything on the earth has a purpose. And we kind of talked about that a little bit last week. But look at verse 17. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold Together, The universe, everything that exists, indeed, visibility itself, we said that. And if that didn't like, kind of like rattle something, then maybe you should think about it some more. Um, Jesus created everything in the universe. It was all created for him. He created it for himself. But he is holding everything in the universe together. Um, everything that exists. You know, like they talk about scientifically, like, oh, if it was like one degree warmer... Jesus is holding everything in perfect harmony. And here's what that means for you. And we're just like, just, just cutting to the quick tonight. Um, what that means for you is that if Jesus is holding the universe together, you are not holding the universe together. And for some of you, that should come as an incredible comfort. Because you know what it's like to be the one that you feel like is holding your family together. Okay? Some of you know that feeling very... Um, intensely. Maybe, maybe you feel like you're holding your friend group together. Maybe you feel like you're holding a relationship that just isn't working together. Like you're holding it together with your strength. Uh, if it's not working, it's just not working, guys. Okay. Um, uh, maybe you feel like you are barely like just struggling to hold your life together. Okay. Um, if Jesus just take comfort. And the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful reality that it's not your job to hold everything together. Um, Take a deep breath and relax knowing that Jesus literally is in control of everything and he's holding everything together. I tried to think of a really like clever and poignant way to put that. But I'll be like, Jesus is holding the universe together. He's got you. Okay. Um, he's got your little universe. I asked my wife, we were looking at this passage, and so usually the night before I'll ask her what she thinks. I'm like, oh, that's very interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Say that again? Um, cool. Uh, but I asked her what she thought about this, and um, it, really, it really touched me what she said. She said, I take a lot of comfort from this passage that's saying that Jesus is in control and he's holding everything together, because that means that I can't parent our kids out of the kingdom. And it means that I can't parent our kids into the kingdom either. Um, and that's a great, it's a tremendous comfort. I, y'all, you're so stressed out. Um, when I get stressed, I pull my beard hair out. It's been happening a lot the last couple of days. I just pull it out. Um, but, you have, but you have something like that too, okay? And, um, sorry. Um, <laughs> Jesus is a sufficient center for your life because he is holding the universe together by his power and his goodness. And he can hold your universe together too. Um, 
relax. Um, okay, so last thing. This passage is a hymn, most likely. If you kind of read it and think about it, it's a lot of repetition. And this is a hymn that the church sang, like, literally probably like 20 years after the resurrection, about Jesus. And it's praising Jesus for being the creator, and it's praising Jesus for being the redeemer. And um, Jesus is a sufficient center for your life because he's reconciling all things together. Look, look with me at the, at the end of the passage here. Um, starting in uh, verse 18. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Uh, if one thing is certain, and um, you, you, you may be feeling a lot of sadness about something that's going on in the world. I mean, if you look from Ferguson, Missouri, to Syria, to Boone, where people are being hurt, um, you just recognize that the world needs a lot of reconciliation. And that's not, like a, that's not a bad word. Uh, the world needs a lot of peace. Uh, that's something that we seem to be strangely lacking in. And what this passage is telling us is that God himself, Jesus, the one who created all things and who uh, everything's for him, he's reconciling the world to himself, all things, everything that exists to himself by the, his blood on the cross. This is what happens. Jesus, the fullness of God, is pleased to dwell in him. He goes to the cross because guess what? Things aren't entirely right between you and God without Jesus. There's animosity. There's not peace. Jesus goes to the cross without you asking to die for sin so that he can give you peace with God. So that these two parties that were at animosity against one another can be brought together in reconciliation. And this is kind of a weird question. Um, because, look, I, I, if those of you that profess faith in this room, if I gave you a test and I said, is Jesus a sufficient Savior for you? You'd be like, yes, of course. Um, if you were standing before the throne and God was like, why should I let you into my heaven? You would, some variation of the, Jesus would probably be, be the answer. Um, but then if you were really pressed... Um, and the way that you're living and the things that matter to you in here were really exposed, you'd say something like, yeah, Jesus, and also I'm just not that, that bad, you know? Like, I could just be a lot worse. Or like, I'm really intentional with my relationships. And that's something that, like, there's a lot of bad stuff on my resume, but, like, God likes that one. My intentionality in my relationships. Um... Or, uh, I didn't just sing the words at church. I thought about the words. <laughs> and I considered what they... I mean, it sounds so silly, right? But, like, deep in the, in the, the bottom part of your heart, you're compiling a resume of, of, you know, like, it's Jesus plus I really mean it when I sing the words. Or, or maybe um, Jesus isn't sufficient for you because you're like, you know what? Jesus, you know, God loves me, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, like, I really misuse sex. And he doesn't like that. And so he's probably going to want to ask me about that. Um, so maybe Jesus can't cover that one. Or, probably most common, yeah, Jesus, but I have a lot of doubts. And so when I get there, 
I'm not really sure what that's going to be like for the fact that I had um, doubts. And um, I know so many of you grew up in the church, and I'm not taking for granted the reality that you could grow up and you could hear about Jesus your whole life, and that you're like, yeah, God loves me, and Jesus died for me, in quotation marks. Um, But if I fail at whatever it is, that's going to be in jeopardy. Um, I saw Divergent, which is like the Hunger Games plus the sorting hat from Harry Potter. So if, if those things sound like they would go well together, they did. They were very good. It was good. Good movie. Um, but if you've seen it, Tris, who's like the main character, she's trying to make it in, um, what's her thing called? Dauntless. Thank you. And um, she's trying to make it. And there's this board, and they keep pointing them to this board. And it's like... Three quarters of the people are in green and the rest of the people are in red. And like how she's doing determines whether she's going to stay. And most of us, that is our experience with God. Yeah, Jesus is my savior as long as I don't dip below that line. Um, So really it's Jesus plus something is getting me in to the kingdom. And y'all, if you take away nothing else, take away that diversion. I'm just kidding. Um, uh, If you take away nothing else... Your resume is not going to be sufficient for you to stand before God. Jesus' resume is more than sufficient, and he gives it to you by his grace. And he goes, this will get you my Father's love and affection, and it will get you in. And he stands ready to hand it to you, because look, I want to read you Paul's resume. I'm going to do this quickly. Philippians 3. He's talking about really religious people. This is what he says. Um, uh, I put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I, may be gain, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, but a righteousness that comes through faith. And Paul basically said, I had a spiritual resume, and it was better than yours. It was so much better than yours. Like, you can't even imagine how much better than yours it was. Um, but I count it as rubbish. And translating that, it's at least crap. Okay? Like, it was like, rubbish. Right. It's at least crap. He's saying, I threw that all away because it did me no good. The only thing that does me good that's sufficient to stand before God is Jesus. Look, Jesus is the only sufficient center for your life. um, Because he's the only one that loves you enough to deserve to be the center of your life. Because he came in his grace and he said, I'm giving you everything that I have. He's the only one that loves you enough To deserve your worship. God has shown his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus is enough. Um, Is he enough for you? Let's pray. Father, um, 
thank you that um, you've given us uh, your grace. Lord, forgive me for how um, I, I often speak unhelpfully about you. And um, Lord, look to you for grace. Lord Jesus, you love us so much. And so often we despise you and we don't want to. So would you uh, be kind to us? Would you convince us that you are sufficient for us, that we would bow down and worship and find joy in you? And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.